So, uh, so let's open up in prayer, and then we'll do a quick review to kind of, for anybody who hasn't been here up to this point, to kind of get you caught up, and then we'll pick up in chapter 3. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you have done. I thank you for the life that you've given us. Lord, I thank you for the grace that you pour out on us each and every day. Lord, as we take for granted the breath that you place in our lungs, thinking that somehow we've worked to gain that or we've done something to earn that, I ask, Lord, that you would forgive us for that sinful thought that we are somehow worthy for you to sustain us, which you do anyways. You do. We are unworthy. I'm unworthy to stand up here yet for whatever reason you have saw fit, Lord, to to use me, Lord, in such a glorious and burdensome thing that is preaching. Glorious because I get to be used for you. Burdensome because woe unto me if I speak something falsely. Lord, that, that you would move in this place, that your Holy Spirit would stir your people, that your Holy Spirit would stir me. Lord, if you don't move, we won't, we won't move. I fear that. I fear that we would have hardened ourselves against you. Lord, be merciful to us. Lord, where we are headstrong and stiff-necked in our sin, I pray that you would break us. Lord, gently if possible, but by whatever means necessary. Lord, as we begin to study your word, Lord, I ask that you would seal my lips, that I would speak nothing of myself, that your Holy Spirit would speak and lead my mind to say the things that you would have heard by your church. Lord, give me boldness to speak the difficult truths. Give me clarity so that I do not confuse. Give me peace so that I don't fear. I thank you for Christ. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the life that we have in Him. The hope that we have in Him. And I thank you that in Him we can find that we can have lives that are not vanity of vanities. But we can have lives that have meaning and purpose. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Alright, so we're in chapter 3. The last couple, and I'm not going to go into too much detail, but just a couple of different places that I want us to kind of be reminded of some scripture that we've looked at. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all of their hard work under the sun? So in this, we see the context... And we see the main idea of all that we're going to be studying as we go through this book. 
Again, Solomon here is going to just systematically go through and show us all of those things that we would hold dear to in the flesh, how inadequate they are to satisfy us. Many of these places, we realize this to be true, yet we harden ourselves because, if we're honest, we enjoy our sin. Okay? You enjoy your sin. How many of you sin and you were like, oh, that was an accident, right? We try to distinguish willful sinning and so apparently there's accidental sinning. I don't know if I've ever done that, right? Maybe I'm the only one that's never accidentally sinned, but tends to be when I sin, I sin because I want to sin. I don't know if that's you, but I'm just going to throw it out there that probably <laughs> it is. You sin because you want to sin and you continue on chasing after meaningless and vain efforts, even in knowing that they are meaningless because of your sinfulness. So I hope in us continuing through this book that we will have those things stripped away. Verse 11, we don't remember, and this is chapter 1, we don't remember what happened to us in the past and in future generations. No one will remember what we're doing now. The first, the first, Part in this series, we kind of ended at chapter 1, verse 11, and there the question was kind of posed, what, who's going to remember you, right? What's going to be remembered of your life? What's going to be said of your life? When you go living it after vain things, nothing. You'll be forgotten, just like everyone else that's come before you that's chased after those type things have been forgotten, right? And then the question, who do you want to be remembered by? Right? Christ should be the answer to that question. Right? It should be Christ that we live for. It should be Christ that we glorify. It should be Christ that we hope remembers us. And only Christ. Then the, the second part to Ecclesiastes, we uh, push through the end of chapter 1 there, into chapter 2, we finish chapter 2. One of the things that we ran across in chapter 2 is we ran across... Uh, the ideas of pleasure and of work or hard work and the vanity that's found in chasing after pleasure or entertainment. Where you get, this, this tends to be us, right? Our culture tends to be a culture that what are you, what are you doing when you, I mean, I preach that the Super Bowl Sunday, right? Of all Sundays to preach that, wow, the Lord must be sovereign over something, right? He must be in control of something to land it on that day of all days. And then probably many of you tonight are probably thinking like, I don't know what shows are coming on after church tonight. There's probably some of you that are thinking, man, I can't wait to get home and watch that. I got it DVR'd or TiVo'd or whatever so that, you know, after church, hopefully he won't be too long-winded. I see he's only got one cup up there tonight. Hopefully he won't be too long-winded. I'll get home and be able to watch whatever. I'll be able to be entertained, right? And then I hope not, but sometimes we may even come to church hoping to be entertained. Right? That's, that's a problem that we have. We seek to be entertained. Like you want somebody up here to dance for you. Vanity. And you know what we find when we run out of things to entertainment, entertain us? We find ourselves bored and looking for the next thing and still unable to be satisfied. 
So we oftentimes look to work hard, and he covers that here. And what we find after a long life of working is, is that we tend to have to work and leave to somebody. Verse 18 of chapter 2, I came to hate all my hard work here on earth, for I must leave to others everything I have earned. And we see the heart of a person who chases after material gain for the sake of material gain. is Eventually you realize you're going to die. And then you're left with this kind of hopeless state of, well, man, I hope my kids are ignorant. I can't leave it to any of them. They're going to waste every bit of it, right? Like, that's the heart that you're led to. You're, the, you're led to that with the heart that even would look at your children and say, I don't want to leave any of this to my kids. So I'm going to go spend it all. I'm going to spend every bit of it before I die. Because that's all that there is. And that's all that I'm living for. And that's all that I'm chasing after. And what do we find? Vanity of vanities. And then we contrasted that with 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 5 and 8. And this is essentially Paul's kind of, you know, I've run the race, I've fought the fight. And he's encouraging in this scripture Timothy to do the same. We find that when we chase after things beyond the sun, not things that are fixed and found under the sun, that we can find goals worth chasing after. We can find a life worth living, worth striving. We can find something worth fighting for and something worth chasing and running after. And we can be encouraged knowing that God is raising up other fighters and other runners to be there with us that are going to keep on continuing the good fight and running the good race long after we're gone. And that's good with us. We're fine with that. Why? Because we're not seeking it so that I can gain an earthly prize. So that I can get a medal that I can stick in a case full of other medals so that, you know, friends can come over what and look at all the cool pieces of jewelry that I've got that I never wear, right? Like, or the trophy case that I have that they don't want to go in there because they don't, you're just bragging about everything that you've done. They don't want to hear that, right? Vanity of vanities. What's all that worth? It's worth nothing. Now we're going to pick up in chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. I will probably read through verse 11, and then we're just going to kind of go back and look at this and kind of examine it. So verse 3, or chapter 3, verse 1 of Ecclesiastes. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. A a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search, and a time to quit searching. A time to keep, and a time to throw away. A time to tear, and a time to mend. 
a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Verse 9, what do people really get for all of their hard work? I've seen the burden God has placed on us all. He has made everything beautiful for its own time. One thing that I want us to look at, the start of chapter 3, how does it start off? How does it start off? Anybody? A time for what? A time for everything. For everything. There's a season. As we look at this, and as we consider these different times, these different seasons in life, I want us to reflect, and I told y'all when we were over in chapter 1 that there was going to be something that we were going to kind of go back and we were going to look at and we were going to kind of pull back up and consider the thoughts on it and reflect back on some other scripture. This is it. I want us to go back over to chapter 1 and I want us to look at chapter 1 verses uh, 4 through a little bit there. Actually, 3. So what do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Just note chapter 9 of verse, uh, chapter nine, or verse 9 of chapter 3, this same question is posed. What do people really get for all their hard work? So back in chapter 1, verse 3, what do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Verse 4, generations come, generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes. Blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the seas. Everything is worrisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. So in this, what we had kind of discussed as we went over this passage of Scripture is what? These things continue on without you. Right? Like, what control do you have over the path that the wind is going to take? What control do you have? Absolutely not. Any control. What, what control do you have over the path that the sun takes across the sky? None. Who has control over that? God has control over that. Who has control over the seasons? Who makes the fall, the fall, and the spring, the spring? Who brings summer? Who's in control of that? So, so what, what part do you play in that? None. You react to the seasons. Right? Like what happens when the snow comes? You stop being able to drive if you live in Alabama. <laughs> Right? Like, just just don't even leave. It, it shuts down. You react to the seasons. What else about the seasons is, is often can be said? You can see it coming. What season's next? Just springtime. And what happens after springtime? Summertime. And what if it didn't happen? There you go. The end of time. It's coming. It's inevitable. 
Now, what if you wanted to stop it? I just want us to think about these things. What if you said, I don't want summer this year? <laughs> Move to Alaska. This is good. Was not anticipating that. <laughs> You would move back quickly because it is cold there. <laughs> you have no control. If you wanted to stop it, you can't stop it. Even Alaska gets summertime, but it's just not near as hot as it is in Alabama, right? So you have no control of it. But you can see it coming. You can prepare for it. You can be ready for it, right? We get ready for seasons. What do we do? Like, Get out the winter coats. The summertime's here. Everybody starts getting the tan. You start, man, we got to start going to the gym again. Summertime's coming, right? <laughs> got to get fit. <laughs> I ate a little too much at Christmas, right? We prepare for the seasons. Let's keep that in mind as we look at this. And as we consider the seasons of our life, I want us to understand this. How many of you think that Kip and Donna were in control of the season that they're in right now? If they'd have wanted to say stop, if they could have even seen that coming, who's in control? Do we believe that? Do we? I want you to really consider that. Do you believe that God is in control of that? Think about it. Now it's good. Now when summertime comes, it's good. We want God to be in control when summertime's here. Right? When it's beach time, when everybody's jolly and happy and, you know, vacations left and right. Like, you know, we can wear shorts and sandals. And maybe even wear them to church. Maybe. Maybe. But what about when winter comes? He's, he's still in control. What is... I want us to think about that. Because we're comfortable with Him being in control the summertime. Right? We're comfortable with that. Let winter time come up, man. In our lives, let me tell you, you think you don't like, you, you're ready for spring and summer now? It's worse when it comes to our lives. How ready are you for spring and summer? Man, I don't want another frost, right? We struggle, church. You struggle, I struggle. We can say God is in control, but when you go out those doors, do you really believe it? Do you really believe that He's in control of the seasons of your life? Ask yourself this. Be honest with yourself about this. Because if we really did, if we really believed it, if we really were unshakable in that area, then when the winter came, we'd pull our coats out. We wouldn't be just looking for summer to roll around again. We'd know that the same God that's the God of the summer is the God of the winter. How quickly do we want that season to pass? 
How quickly. It's true, church. It's true. It's not just true for me. It's true for all of us. So I think sometimes we can we can have it up here. We can know it, right? We can kind of have a, a general understanding of it, but for it to take hold, for it to stick, we need the Holy Spirit moving in us to solidify that in us. And I pray that He does that for us. I pray that He does that for you. So let's keep that in mind as we're considering life and we're considering the seasons of life, these different times that are going to come upon us. Let's at no point, let's at no point, let's make a pact with one another that at no point we're going to question who is in control of the weather. Even when the storms come, and when you broke down because half an inch of snow came, let's know who's in control of the season. Because man, I am telling you, brother, that's the only time we can survive. That's the only way that we can survive. Is if we prepare for that season. How do you think you're doing that? You think it was entertainment? He was like, you know, feel good preaching? Like the same old thing that you've heard a hundred thousand times over and over again? You want me to tell you how good you are? The same thing that you tell yourself over and over and over again? As you skim through God's Word, you will die in the cold if you're not ready and prepared when the season comes. And God's in control of it. How do you prepare? You've got to pray. How else do you prepare? Read the Word. Like occasionally, study it, live it, chase after righteousness. In everything that you do, let it be for that. And when the winter comes, I ain't going to say you're not going to complain even a little bit, but at least you won't die in the cold. Right, So many of us, man, if the cold came on us today, and God's faithful, man. God is so faithful. The cold may be coming for some of you. Man, I'm not in control of it. You're not in control of it. Let this be a warning. For some of you, the cold may be coming. One, God is in control. Do not doubt it. Do not question it. God is in control. Be prepared. Always be prepared. Because you're not in control. You may not see it coming. The forecast may be a little off for that day. 
light dusting may have been forecasted and you may get a blizzard. Right? Being God's word, man. I'm not in it enough. You're not in it enough. You're not in it enough. Dustin, you're not in it enough, brother. Cameron, man, you're not in it enough. Kip, you're not in it enough. Landon, I'm not in it enough. We need to be in it more. We need to be preparing more. God forbid we lived up north. God forbid we were in Africa or in Somalia or in South America or somewhere where they were hunting us. It may come. Are we going to be ready? If that season comes on us, are we going to be ready? Really? Are we? Are you going to be ready because you just studied your best life now? When that season might not come for you. What are we preparing for? I'm afraid that some of us may not be preparing at all. There's a time for every activity under the sun. A time to be born and a time to die. It's interesting to note here that he says, born, die. Anybody notice anything that might seem maybe like it's missing? The living part, right? The living part. This is crazy. This is crazy. If you live under the sun, you're born dead. You're born dead to sin. Each and every one of you. Each and every one of you. You're born dead to sin. You won't laugh? You won't laugh? How do you get that laugh? Oh man, it ain't going to be found under the sun. It ain't going to be found under the sun. It's going to be found in the sun. The Son of God in Jesus Christ. If you won't laugh, go there. If you won't laugh, go there. There's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant. What are we planting? Church, what are we planting? Are we sowing? Are we sowing so that we can reap a harvest? I'm, I'm asking. We may not see it. And we need to be cool with that. Right? We may, we may sow and sow and sow. And we may be in the season that it's not time for harvest. Our entire life. Our entire church life. Like every one of us in here could work and toil and work. And it may be the next generation that sees the harvest. We may live our entire life. In preparation. But the awesome thing is, is we don't have to be like verse 18 of chapter 2 here. Who am I going to leave all my work behind to? 
we can encourage them on. Because we know that God is in control of that season. And that that season will come. Right? How cool is that? How cool is that? We can rest in that. We can rest in that. We don't have to question it. We don't have to think, well, maybe it'll come. Like, you know, like, we don't have to fear. This is an amazing thing. We don't ha- you, I fear none at all the death of God's church. And I'm talking big church. Like, I don't fear, like, that Satan's going to somehow push us down. Right? Like, the American church, man, alive. Seems like we're on our deathbed. You know, you look around the world and Christianity is blowing up in the places that it's persecuted the hardest. And it's always been like that. Do you know why? Wintertime's not a bad thing. Man, the weak would die out. (laughs) God is working. And I'm asking, are we working? Are we planning? Are we planning? Are you willing to plant? Are you willing to plant? If you knew in your mind, and God has had me ask this question to myself many times. And Dustin, I think we've even, maybe even had this conversation. Like, if, if I knew for a fact that my entire ministry as a preacher would be preached time and time again, and literally nobody come, nobody come, would I do it? Would I grow weary Planning and never seeing a harvest? Would you? We better not. Vanity of vanities if I have to see the harvest. Vanity of vanities. Vanity of vanities if any of you are working so that you can see the fruit of your labor. We work because Christ is worthy of us working for Him. He's worthy of that. We don't have to see a harvest. We don't have to see a harvest. You don't have to see a harvest. But, and this is the cool thing. And this, we can be hopeful in this. We can be hopeful in this. There's a time to plant. And there's a time to harvest. Maybe. Maybe. Right? Maybe we work. Maybe we get to see it. That'd be bonus. That'd be cool. Right? Blowing up in Cordova. Blowing up in Walker County. I can't lie to you. It would be so cool. I would be like, man, Mount Carmel is just blowing up. Because we're working for Jesus. Right? Because we were willing to plant and not worry about whether or not we saw anything. We, we let God deal with the increase. We let God deal with the times of the seasons. And when they would come. A time to kill, verse 3. A time to kill. A time to heal. Isn't there a time to kill? Is there? Man, you listen to some of the Old Testament, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Easy answer. But I want to I ask you, is there a time to kill? What would be an example? Oh, man. Kill sin. Kill sin. Cut its head off. That's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. Many of you are a little bit afraid to fight sin. You're a little bit afraid to get out in battle. Maybe you're afraid you're not prepared for that season. Prepare. How? Pray. Study. Pray. Study. 
chop the head off of sin. We have to be, we have to, man, that season comes up often in my life. Where I'm having to, oh my goodness, Lord, you revealed something else. How do we, how do we get rid of that? And then he leaves me to how he got rid of that. A time to heal. Is there ever a time to heal? This one's a good one. Yeah, do we need it? Do we need healing church? Maybe a little bit? Hmm? As individuals? As a church body? Is that season on us? Are we ready for that one? Amen. A time to tear down. What needs to be tore down? Some walls. In your life? In my life? In our church? We need some walls tore down church. Maybe a couple. Is it a season for that? A time to build up. Man. Man, that we would tear down walls that we have set up between us and that we would build one another up. With whatever gifts God has given you that you would be willing to use it, that you wouldn't think maybe it was too little, it was not enough, or it was insignificant, that you would just serve you would just serve, to build one another up, to lift one another up, that we would tear down the walls that we've set up, that God would tear down walls, and we would be built up, that we would encourage one another. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder, I wonder, that's interesting, right? How seasons tend to come one after another. Maybe we need a little healing. Maybe we need some walls to be broke down. Maybe we need to build each other up so that we can reap a harvest. Man, that's good. That's good. Verse 4, a time to cry and a time to laugh. Man, Ain't it so good to know that it's all right and there is a time for it when you can just weep? We should. When we see sin running amok in our own lives, in the lives of our brothers and sisters in our church, we should weep over it. It concerns me when we don't. It concerns me when we don't weep over it. When it moves us none at all. There's a season for it. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Who's in control of the seasons? <laughs> you may not be a crier. I know some of you men, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, y'all are like, I will show no emotion. <laughs> that God would bring that season on you, man. <laughs> oh, that we would see manhood as something else. as just being tough. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, a time to laugh, 
This is good. So there's a time when it's good for us to cry. And there's a time when we should stop crying and start rejoicing. And one will follow the other oftentimes. Oftentimes. A time to grieve and a time to dance. There's going to be times in your life, times in my life, and I don't get to determine when... But there's going to be times for grieving. And there's going to be times where grieving is very much justified. And there's going to be times when the time for grieving is over. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Right? There are going to be times where we need to move on from that. We need to move on. Because God has set for us these times, these seasons. And there will be for us a time to dance. Maybe you're in it now. Maybe that time's coming for you. Don't, man, don't be ashamed. Like, I'm the first one. If I were to try to dance, man, it would look so goofy. But if it was my season, I would be up here like doing some like, what is the, where they do the water is all on the ground? You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Splash dancing or something like, you know, you've seen the like the line of folks. Whatever, y'all don't know. (laughs) It's just me and I'm embarrassing myself. (laughs) A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. This is an interesting one. And I and the Lord let me the Lord let me uh, deal with this one uh, personally. Um, Adrian and I and this is kind of an illustration. Adrian and I we we built a house a couple years back and it's been mud and rock and dirt. And last year we decided we were going to plant some grass. Adrian decided we were going to plant some grass because she didn't want to look at the mud anymore. All right, so that, we have somebody bring in dirt. Apparently, today, the standard of dirt means rock. Right? <laughs> so, they bring it in. Dad comes out with his tractor. I'm going to call you out again. Dad does an excellent job. He's just clearing everything off, just moving everything around. He even brings this thing out and rakes a lot of the rocks off. But there's still rocks out there. If I wanted to plant the grass, you know what I'd get? I'd probably get windows busted out whenever I tried to cut grass one day. And probably, with all the rocks that were there, the grass wouldn't grow. So what I need to do, I need to go gather it. I need to go out there. Man, and that it took a little bit of time, and I didn't want to do it. Because <laughs> you've got to gather those stones up. You've got to get those things out of the way that are hindering the growth, that will hinder the growth. Or they'll bust your window out <laughs> when the season to cut grass comes. <laughs> right? So we need to do that. There's a time we need to gather stones because something needs to grow. There may be an area in your life that's very stony, that's very hard, that you need to get in there, let the Lord move in, start picking up some stones. Start getting them out of the way. But then, there are times, and there are things in your life that are growing, that don't need to be growing, and you need to put some stones out there to kill it. You need to make that where it's just inhospitable to any kind of growth. There's a time for that. There's a time for that. We don't need to let sin be growing up. We need to put the stones out. 
There's a time to embrace and a time to turn away. There's going to be people in your life and times in your life, Christian, that some people you just need to turn away from. They're pulling you down. They're dragging you away. They're hindering your walk with Christ. There's a time to turn away. There's a time to turn away. We see it in the New Testament. Oftentimes we see it in the form of like church discipline. We see Paul like kick the guy out and then we see him later like, hey, welcome him back in. There's a time. There's a time for these things. God sets the time. We have to be ready and prepared for the seasons. There's a time to search and a time to quit searching. There's a time. I'm like, or Dustin's like, hey, would you pray about going on a mission trip? And there's a time to pray about it. And then there's a time to do it. There, man, there's some things that you really don't need to pray about because God told you to. True? You got to pray about sharing the gospel? Let me, let me pray about... I'm going to have to pray. I'm gonna, I mean, this is how we are. I'm going to pray about it and pray about it and pray about it. There's a time for prayer. There's a, time, there's a time to search. Let me search and see what the Lord's will. There's a time where He's told you. And you're just trying to beat around the bush and maybe avoid it. Maybe somebody else will do it in your place. There's a time to stop searching and take some action. There's a time to keep and there's a time to throw away. And many of these can be used and you could use it looking at sin in your life, right? There's some things in your life that, that, not sin, but there's some things in your life that you can keep, that you can hold to, and that you can cherish, but there's some things in your life, there's some times in your life where you need to throw some stuff out. Truth. Truth. Man, Many of our lives look like a bad episode of Hoarders. You should have been throwing that stuff out a long time ago. You're just holding on to it. It's weighing you down. There's a time for it. There's a time to tear and a time to mend. This could be said with relationships that we have with people. There's a time we need to tear ties with people. And there may be some of you who need to tear ties with people. It may be God's will for you to get away from that relationship. There's times to mend. Hmm. Some of you may have torn relationships that need not have been torn. Maybe time to mend those relationships. There's a time for it. Is that season now? Are we in that season? 
No, y'all are going to like this one. There's a time to be quiet. <laughs> and many of y'all are thinking, the time is now. <laughs> well, it's not. No. <laughs> there's a time to be quiet. And there's a time we need to listen. Right? There's a time we need to listen. There's a time that we need to shut our mouths and let God speak. And then there's times He's filled you up and it's time for you to speak. We need to be ready for these seasons. There's a time to love and a time to hate. What, what, what should we hate? Well, we shouldn't hate one another. Sin? How often we get these seasons confused. How often we will hate what is good and love what is wrong. What season are we in? What things do we need to be loving? What things do we need to be hating? Man, y'all are all going to look strange at me if we come in mid-summer and i got a sweater on. you got things a little messed up. Maybe we shouldn't be letting him preach. You don't even know what season it is. This is how we go about our lives oftentimes. You don't even know what season you're in. You're not even ready for the season. You're not even prepared. You're up preaching in a sweater because you don't have any short sleeve shirts. Are you ready for the seasons? The seasons are coming. The seasons are coming. A time for war and a time for peace. Man, I, I want to tell you we're in both right now. We're in a time that we need to have peace among one another. We need to stand up and go to war with sin. You may not realize it, but your culture is at war with you. And many of you are going to be too timid to fight. You're not going to be prepared for that season. Because you have not prayed enough. You have not studied God's Word enough. You're not willing to die for it. You made a decision, but God has not locked in for you commitment. What season are you in? Verse 9. <clears throat> what do people get for all their hard work? These seasons come. These seasons go. Life passes you by a day at a time. A season at a time. You live it chasing after vanity. What's all that for? Hmm? Nothing? Nothing? If instead, if instead of living your lives chasing after meaningless, pointless, and vain pursuits, what if instead you were prepared? What if you were prepared? When those seasons come, whatever the season may be, 
It may be sunny. It may be stormy. It may be cold and frigid to the bone. God is in control of the season. Are you being prepared today for the seasons to come in your life? Verse 10. I have seen the burden God has placed on us all. Yet, He has made everything beautiful for its own time. Sometimes this is hard to see. Alright? Sometimes, okay, sometimes, when you're in the winter, when the cold is pressing in on you, you may find this verse very, very, very difficult to contend with. How's that beautiful? How's cancer beautiful? How is it? How is, how is losing a child beautiful? Tell me. Can we see God? Can we see God? Man, if we were a little bit more transparent as a church, I guarantee you, you would see God in every one of your experiences in every one of your lives. I promise you. And at the end of all of this, when we stand before God in this tapestry of creation, of life that He has set forth and that He is weaving, when we behold what He has done, beautiful. Beautiful. We'll say it's beautiful, Kip. When I see my little girl's face in glory and not in death. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I can tell you today, beautiful. I don't have to wait to then. I don't have to get more answers. Beautiful. And if... Man, if cancer comes from me, and listen, when I say this, because God may very well bring that season upon me to show Himself to you. If cancer comes upon me, beautiful. Beautiful. Because it won't be me, you see. Because this ain't, man. This ain't beautiful. Oh, but He is. Less of us, more of Him. So beautiful. So beautiful. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So we see this. We see the seasons. We're told it's beautiful. And then here we see a, a great truth. Now, now some, if you have a King James Version, I just want to point this out real quick. If you have a King James Version, you won't have read exactly what I've read. There's a word there that's translated for me, eternity, that will be translated for you, world, that I'm not going to say wrong, but I'm going to say it, you, you don't get the full meaning of what this word is. The word that is translated is olam, O-W-L-A-M. 
properly translated as eternity? Because most of the times that it's used in the Old Testament, it's used for long expanses of time. It's used to represent eternity. So that's the proper translation of this word. And He is planted in us, in us, this idea of eternity. Do you know why? Do you know why that is? Because we look around us and we see the death. We see the suffering. We see so much. We see so much pain. So much sorrow. And it shocks us. It shocks us. But I want to I ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. If all there was was what was found under the sun, then why would that be so shocking to us? Why is it that the one thing that is so common seems to us so out of place? What is that thing? Death. Every single one of you. Every single one of you going to be dead. I know that's a little depressing. It's coming. Right? For every single one of us. Death. And it's depressing. Why? Because it doesn't seem natural. Yet, under the sun, that's what happens. That's all there is, is death. Life is this strange thing that just leads to death. If all there was was what's found under the sun, one day the sun burns out. Death. Yet, even in seeing death, we find it strange and odd. Why is that? Why is that? God's planted in us eternity. So that when we see this world and we see all the ways that it's lacking, we desire a world other than this. That's what happens. So when the pain comes, we see how much this world lacks. Right? When, when we can't be filled up with entertainment, we see how much this world lacks. When we work our hands to the bone only to find that we just scraped by, we find just how inadequate this world is to satisfy that thing that's within us. And I want to tell you, and this is what He's doing, He's going to go through everything, He's been going through everything, to show you that under the sun you will not find it. You will not find it. He's placed within us a desire for eternity, yet under the sun there is no hope for it. He's going to go on to say, when you die, there's nobody to come get you. Under the sun. Under the sun. Let's push on. So I concluded there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. People should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. So let's understand that your work, you should enjoy what you do. You should work as you're working for Christ. Right? It's not bad to be entertained, but if you find your only hope in entertainment, man... Vanity of vanities. You should have been smarter than that. I think that was going to fill you up. It can't. Verse 14. And I know that whatever God does is final. 
Y'all see that? And I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to or taken away from it. God's purpose is that people should fear Him. And we don't have a proper fear of God. Man, even when we talk about fearing God, we talk about fearing God in this like reverence kind of way. Like we should, right? You should revere God. But man, if you understood the power, when you get there as a saved believer and you stand before Him, you will be fearful because He is so holy. He is holy. He is something to be feared. Thank God for Christ. Because if not, all we would have is what hope we find under the sun. And just to let you know, there is none. What is happening now has happened before. And what will happen in the future has happened before. Because God makes the same things happen over and over again. So again here, one thing that I want to point out. For us, oftentimes we feel like the situations we're going through... We're alone in them. We're the only one that's ever experienced this. We're the only one that's ever felt pain like this. And we feel isolated and we get depressed and, you know, woe is me. We feel like we're up there in the time to grieve for, like, ever. We can never seem to get over to the time to dance. Understand, understand, you are not the only one that has ever gone through this. Right? You're not. You're not. But your hope to find hope is not going to be found under the sun. So if you want to get out of that, man, and I'm all about like, you know, the grace of God through medicine and all these things, but, you know, there's sometimes that we make medicine an idol. Man, there's sometimes, and I know I'm treading on some. Some ground here that can get me in trouble. There's, man, there's times that you take a pill to make you feel better. And, and you know all it does is make you feel numb. We live in a culture where that's what we do. That's what we do. We want to be made numb. I don't, I don't want that for you. How hopeless. How meaningless. How pointless. And that's why we're depressed. That's why we find no hope. Let us look beyond the sun. Church, let us look to the place where we find hope. You can be made numb all day. You can be entertained all day. You can work 
all day. Vanity of vanities. Vanity of vanities. You're not alone. You're not alone. And even though you think you are, what you'll find is that probably other people are just filling it in in a different way. And I'm here to tell you, anything, whether it's work, whether it's entertainment, whether it's pleasure, whether it's appeal, vanity of vanities, church. Vanity of vanities. Let's close there. Well, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. This is a day that you've given us. Lord, no matter what the circumstance, or no matter what the trial, whether we're in the summer or whether we're in the winter, Lord, you are in control of the seasons. You are in control of our days. Lord, for those who may be in here this afternoon and have heard your word and have found themselves in a place that they are in despair or feel hopeless or see no way out. Lord, let this, let this be the season. That we are freed from these things. Lord, if you don't move, Lord, if you don't move, we will not be moved. Move in this place. Move in your people. Move us to Christ. Move us to hope. Move us to life. Lord, no matter what the season, let us know that you are in control. Hold us closely, Lord. We are so weary. so warm thank you for Christ let his name be lifted high in my life in my family's life in my children's life in their children in their children Let us, Lord, let us not be a people who would let this fall on deaf ears. 
you are faithful, Lord, even when we, even when we are unfaithful, you are holy and you are worthy. And all that we do, all that we do, we do for you. All our labors will not be in vain. for things that are not perishable Lord for things that cannot be stolen from us thank you for Christ thank you